Hello and welcome back to the ASAP Weekly Age of Empires podcast. And it kind of feels nostalgic at this point, but Chris is back. How's it going, Chris? Yeah, hi. Well, thank you. Sorry, I've, I have been away for a while. I've uh, I've had COVID for my sins and all of that. Um, but if you thought for one moment that mm. meant sitting around in my pajamas playing lots and lots and lots of Age of Empires, sadly, it wasn't to be because I had to look after my son whilst doing so. So now back, ready to go and hopefully no, find a bit more energy when he's gone to bed to uh, to do a bit more catching up of my ELO. We'll see how we go. Yeah, the catching up of your ELO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of catching up is is what we'll be doing today. Um, but yeah, I I think we're... Well, I guess there's only one announcement that I'd like to throw in at the beginning of this podcast. Um, and that is the fact that uh, I think when this drops, or maybe the day after this drops, so Saturday, September the 4th at 1pm, we'll be having our Feudal Lord show match. So this is for the title a feudal lord in our discord we're, we're having a, a little match that uh the games have happened so i'm i'm casting a replay which is the usual way to do it um but yeah i'm just gonna announce it here so i'll have that link if you're interested to to the twitch channel uh in the description except for that we're gonna jump right into things here um yeah and my my first thing i want to say is this is probably the earliest i have ever done a podcast um just yeah. for context i think it's but it works really well with my schedule. I'm just saying it's very interesting. Uh, just being like, okay, 7.30 in the morning, time to start a podcast. Um, but no, no, it works really well for me. And I think I think it worked for Chris. Uh, so we're going to jump right into things. Yeah, I have been having a blast playing the Age of Empires podcast. Oh, sorry, Age of Empires podcast. The Age of Empires campaigns. Um, was a good uh, like, sorry, especially That's the- very good. Having a blast with the podcast, you know. Everybody <laughs> yes. does, you know. Keep listening, everybody. Like, 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 follow. <laughs> yeah, Chris is ready. Chris is ready here. Um, yeah, so so I played. Uh, I think last time on, I, I talked about the Vega campaign, but I played through all the Lithuanians campaign, and I've played all of Yanziska, the um, the Bohemians campaign, um, and all three of them together are super strong. Um, I'm I'm sure there's a couple notes. We're gonna start with the Lithuanians campaign. I think the Lithuanians mission two is extremely difficult, uh, relatively speaking, to the rest of the campaign. Yeah. Um, Do you want to just refresh my mind? What's, did what's did the, you feel that? Yeah. yeah what, what's loosely the plot? Like I, I literally came them all in one one evening, so I, uh, I I'm struggling to pick them apart. Let's see. Is that the one where you you come into some tribu- trebuchets for the small price of one thousand five hundred gold? Is it that one? which I thought was a little yeah, bit... So the one where I have to pay the trebuchets? Yeah, you buy some uh, trebuchets or some kind of um, some engineer or something. Clear, very very commercially-minded um, engineer, because uh, we all know that they don't quite cost that much in real life. Uh, yeah, um, this is the one where uh, you have to uh, conquer Kiev by killing several forces... There's three portions of the Golden Horde. So, oh, is this... Okay, I'm pretty sure... I'm trying to remember if this is the one where you're, like, split up. No, that was, to me, the hardest one. The one where you're split up. Do you remember that one? Where you're, like, there's two bases. Is this Bohemian or is this this Lithuanian? No, it's all Lithuanian. Oh, Lithuanian, okay. Is it the one where you have... There's two two dukes. Is it that one where... where I think one, one is teal and one is yellow... And one of your objectives is to kill a certain number of, of the, the their military, and then they you can either join them or you can join the teal by conquering him, and then you gang up on the other one. Basically, is it that map? 
is I don't think it's that map I'm I'm, I'm mm. specifically thinking of. However, um, oh, oh yes, okay, okay, okay. So this is I'm just like this is the thing when you play through all the campaigns. I think you're totally right in the quick succession. It's hard to remember the the whole of it. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to this, so I believe this is. But either way, uh, don't let me hold you up. Like if uh, I think you were no, you're no, burning no, no, no. to talk about the difficulty of it, so I'm. I'm sure my mind will uh, click back in once you start talking in, in detail about it. No worries. Okay, actually, we, we don't have to talk about like every specific thing. I think the Lithuanians one is really strong. There's a couple really cool missions. Um, I think... Okay, let, let me just give you like a, a grand narrative, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the Algirdas Al- 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 and uh, Kestius are the two kind of brothers who, who you're playing as and you're kind of seeing Lithuania fight off. Uh, whether it is um, the Rus, right, or like Russia, uh, or I guess like the the former like kingdom, like these small kingdoms that where Russia is now, um, you're also fighting off uh, Tatars or the Golden Horde, which is a mix of uh, traditionally I think it's like uh, Bulgarians, um, but also with with uh, there's the Khan, right? So there's the Mongols as well. So they're all they're in the mix as well. That you're fighting them off, <laughs> and you're also fighting off against the Teutonic Knights, who are trying to, uh, you know, Christianize uh, yeah. your kingdom as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's a whole slew of different things there. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I did want to mention is the fact that th- I hadn't realized how similar or how well these would go into each other. Um. So on second playthrough, or if I were to play all these campaigns, I would do it in the proper order next time. Because uh, I think what's really cool is at the end of the campaign, you're uh, you're introduced to um, uh, Yagelo, Yagelo, uh, is the Polish Lithuanian. sorry, yes, yeah. It's it's tough because because in in the Polish campaign they like he uses two names he uses like his like Polish name but then he uses his like traditional name right that's um, right so that can get confusing but um, I think it's really cool because you get introduced to him and you realize oh no he's the son of one of these two mm-hmm. right one of these two brothers and he rebels against the other brother right um, yeah. and then so so I think that's really cool because then when you get into the Polish missions the Edviga missions. You're like uh, at the end of the first mission, he comes back, right? Like you're, you're kind of all. It's almost like a continuation of the previous campaign. Yeah. Um, which I think is super super cool. Um, I think in general, there's a lot of creative ideas that I loved as well. So there's there's I'm not gonna go like mission by mission, but there's one mission where essentially you're tasked with two town centers. Um, one of them has a castle, the other doesn't, and you kind of have to fight your way. Uh, you have to um destroy either you can destroy a bunch of uh what is it um <laughs> churches right um yeah and then that those that those civs were, will join you right mm-hmm. um and on the other side i think there's the Teutonic knights where you have to like destroy the castles right um and i had a really tough time with this um but then i realized that i kept I thought about it the wrong way. Like I really, really focused on the one that was in the north, or really the north, right? Not the not the east uh, civilization. Um, and so what yeah. happened is I would face up against the Teutonic uh, knights and just like lose or get like run over. Yeah, um, but on the east side, no, yeah, they're no joke, are they? They are they're pretty tanky. So you need you can't be if you're doing it on like um, 
uh, what I would say, almost like a, a scouting type thing where you've got a little army that you're sort of backing to just go around and clean up units as you find them, then yeah, you've got no chance when those guys arrive because they're. I think I'm, we may yeah. have. Did you say there's the um, there's a crossover between the Polish and the Lithuanian, um, namely Jadwiga and um, I forget. His yeah, name so now. so that's the really cool thing. So it, I mean, this this you know tracks historically, right? Um, but yeah. essentially, Lithuania and Poland become one nation, right? Um, yeah, starting with Jadwiga um, mm-hmm. for you know three hundred years or so uh maybe 400 um so what's really cool is that you're introduced to Yedviga and she's all she has like a side story there's some there's some uh prince that she's uh she fancies and she thinks she's gonna marry them yeah uh but on the end of the first Yedviga mission it turns out it's no it's uh Yagello uh yeah so these are the ones that I did actually this is the one yeah Wait, you did the Polish missions? <laughs> realizing it feels it might be, yeah. I mean, at the start, I was. it says at the bottom who you're playing, and uh, I think I just saw the mention of Lithuanians, but come to Lithuanians, think of it, it was a lot more Polish. Like... Yeah. So I think I might okay, have even so jumped this... into the wrong one. So I've gone the, quite fully Jadwiga, no and I was like, oh, okay, full work. That's interesting. I'll, I'll use it, but that's not <laughs> that Lithuanian. I was expecting skirmishes and all sorts, but uh, yeah, so I might have jumped no into the wrong one this, this kind of works. So I want to talk about more the, how they organize the campaigns um, and why I think it's really, really strong. Um, yeah, and I, this perfect. actually works because, because there was a comment that we got about the campaign. Um, and it was from one of our listeners in our discord here who said uh, here, I'm just trying to catch it. Uh, um, one that he felt like the Lithuanians into the Adviga campaign felt like one really long campaign. They float together, which which I just mentioned. Um, but uh, uh, Sir Robin the Brave from our Discord says, the ending narration was fantastic, in my opinion. I had goosebumps, which rarely happens in video games for me. Didn't I feel remotely the same? Yeah, I, I definitely did. I felt like the last two missions of the Polish campaigns were really, really strong. Um, mm. I... I feel like what they did really well is they foreshadowed the ending of the Yedviga campaign. Um, but I think what, like, just to bring in the Lithuanian campaign as well, what I think the Lithuanian campaign does is it gives you so much more depth to uh, to her, you know, uh, her her husband in uh, in the Yedviga campaign, in the Polish campaign. So yeah. it's it's it feels like you actually know the character that's introduced. But I, I played the Yedviga campaign first. Um, which I regret a little bit now, but I, I just, I was so excited to play that I did. And it was really, really strong. I think they did the most creative things in the Advika campaign. Um, but I think the Lithuania campaign is very unique in a lot of the way it structures, but also builds up, uh, almost like a, a backstory or the context for the Advika campaign, um, very, very well. And who, who is this, you know, the prince that came from Lithuania, um, mm-hmm. and I think that, and so I think that's really cool. That added bonus to, to the whole of it. I think that's um, something like it actually goes towards what has historically been one of your key gripes with the way Age of Empires does campaigns in that you don't really get investment into a lot of the characters. It's hard to do that in an RTS and especially without cutscenes. 
that's something that it's it can be limiting when you know if you compare it to something like Starcraft, which sounds very well polished. But I think by kind of doubling down and reinvesting in the same story, you get that connectivity. And it, instead of it just becoming a kind of a tip of the cap towards history, um, like hey, you know, Spanish have conquistadors kind of thing, it's um, it, you genuinely start to feel the story, and uh, there's some actual historical content there, which. Which I'm actually going to look forward to that, despite my error in not um, tackling the Lithuanians. It seems at the first pass, um, I've uh, I've just yeah I did the Jadwiga instead. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good, um, good creative way of doing it without having to invest in the cutscenes. No, no, yeah, no. I think it was great. I think I think they're the way they told a historical story was very story like, as opposed to this person does this. And I think that is very strong in these games. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of shows like if you do it well, right. If you, if you, if you plan it out well, um, you, you can really like have these historical stories feel, you know, feel more, um, more personal, right. Feel more like, like, like you're telling a story instead of like, Oh, here's just like random fact. Like, I think, okay, so AoE 1 does this the worst. And I mean, it's also one of the first RTS games. So I, I, I'm i not giving it any gripe. But AoE 1 is like, it. it's like only I would love to read about history and then play a mission related to that history, you know? Yeah, it's just <laughs> Where it's it's like, a block of text with loads of dates in it. And it's like, wow, that's uh, that's one for another day. <laughs> In 8,000 BC, (laughs) the Egyptians started, you know, uh, uh, on the Nile. Yeah, so so I think think this is probably, for me, the strongest AoE 2 missions. This is the most fun I've had playing AoE 2 campaigns, hands down. Um, One thing, one quick thing about the Anziska campaign that I like to add is that I think it's also really cool that they connect that one to it. Anziska, what they have is they have him, I believe, join the Battle of Grunwald. Um, like the big battle at the end of the Advika campaign. Yeah, uh, it's one of the missions. You are you're there, so it, that's kind of the connective tissue. Um, and I think uh, so. There is yeah. There's there's just I feel like I feel like that's what makes it so strong too. Is that you're being rewarded for having played the previous campaigns as well. There's like historically time wise, it's like they're all like ten years, ten years, ten years, but they overlap, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that is brilliant. Um, and it, it lead, yeah, I, I just, I thought, okay, Dawn of the Dukes, it, for me, has been the most fun I've had playing AoE 2 campaigns. And I like to thank the developers. I guess that's really what I was going <laughs> to say at the end of that one. That's high praise. Thank uh, you, Rather than just commenting that it's good, it's a, it's a genuine thank you. So that's that's a that's a 10.2 it, out of 10, isn't it's, it? Okay, the Yavia campaign especially feels feels like pointed at me. And I don't know if the developers were listening, okay? But the fact that they had the campaign included like things that were clearly not the main game, like that that like uh, throw trebuchets into castles, you know, to to take over the castle, and then your own castle springs up. And the fact that you could level yeah. up the yeah. there was the only campaign where you could level up the heroes. I'm like that felt like exactly pointed right. at me, it's so I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think <laughs> those are my two, two, two biggest gaming worlds going. Yeah, but, but, but I, I, I mean, that was my two biggest. Oh. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, Karen. 
that was my two biggest critiques of, of the previous campaigns and like the the, the Advika campaign completely squashed my expectations for that what did you want to add there yeah no i was, I was gonna say that for the um i am genuine genuinely a little bit um i've not played as many campaigns as as you so coming to this i'd gone quite a few years without having played campaigns um and honestly yeah i really enjoyed it i felt they were diverse and i felt in in the mission you just mentioned the which was the sort of huge battle with the various villagers um from the moment that you kind of land in into that that uh i guess uh level if you like into that campaign you get that kind of ominous sense that you're in the, at this the cusp of a massive battle it felt like a battlefield almost like something off game of thrones mm. um the way that they're able to to tweak the game dynamics so um i felt in the the previous couple of missions i think this was mission three um but in the previous two mm. there wasn't so much a time dynamic which i think having watched and played a bit more competitive stuff time and uh, timing is is quite an important part of strategy. That's that's kind of the way my AOE brain is working these days. But I definitely felt that sort of sense of urgency and that that, that extra uh, dynamic in strategy. That was really nice to feel the you know they're they're kind of taking towns off you at the same rate you're taking towns off them. And it was just an interesting play. I think you could play that ten times with a different strategic hat on, saying okay, I'm going to focus on you know um, archers here, and I'm just going to death ball them with arbs or however you wanted to do it you could probably have a good time 10 times in a row um so that was that was very creative of them i thought um there was um <laughs> so much so i mean yeah. i i you know i don't think everybody would enjoy this but i think like having a extra mode <laughs> with this style where you could face someone else that would be um, good yeah. might be pretty cool but uh you know i Regardless, might be asking for too much. But yeah, uh, great campaigns. Definitely recommend them. Um, and so here's the thing what happened, okay? They were so good <laughs> that uh, I I kept wanting to scratch that itch. So I, I kind of am like, okay, maybe I'll revisit the, um, what was it? Lords of the West campaign, right? And it, yeah. it didn't grab me, right? And I don't know if it's... If it's just like, okay, there's one or two missions and then probably could have grabbed me, right? Like they got more creative. Because sometimes they do that. Sometimes they'll do like the first mission kind of introductory mission is a little more kind of baseline. Yeah. Um yeah. so 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 I'm I'm like, okay, maybe it'll grab me. But um I I beat that first mission and it, it didn't really grab me to the next mission. Hmm. Um, which I think the Lord the uh the Dawn of the Dukes did every single time, right? Like by by the time I'm doing the Anziska, there's like a weight of the other campaigns with it. While when I'm starting out the Lords of the West, I think I started the second part of the Lords of the West because I had, I'd beaten, I, uh, I believe, the English one. Um, it, it didn't grab me immediately. So I was kind of like, uh, I don't know if I'll keep going with it. Um, and so, I mean, there, there's 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 one thing that I thought of that I thought I'd mention here. I kind of wish... Um, that they would release the camp or they would have a campaign um what's the word they'd have a way to display the campaign that was uh based on when it happened historically okay um because right now it's at this point it's just like regionally based right yeah, geographically yeah um but a lot of the times you'll you'll have these 
these campaigns happening like 100, 200 years apart and they have no connective tissue. Do, do you mean so you could sort of um, play your way through history or do you mean that you've got, you've got that thread exactly. of, of kind of like you can, you can maybe be the Franks at the same time as being the Mongols and then you will, you'll kind of, they will coexist and maybe those, those two great civilizations seeing, will meet in the middle mm, at some stage. Is that what you mean? Like you can hit that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have that overlap. You're, you're playing. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think having like a, uh, um, the earliest campaigns to the later campaigns would be a nice connective tissue if I were to play back the campaigns because then I'd be like, you'd kind of be, well, one, you'd be learning history in, in like the time that it's happening. But I think especially for for um, Lords of the West, right? Like the Scottish and the English, like imagine those two campaigns side by side. I think that exactly that would be uh the very good so so i i think i think that could be very strong like it's it's like a i mean a, a more simple implementation i like have having you know have it displayed historically by by time period and then you can play through there i also kind of like because at this point i'm it's not clear to me like which campaigns came out when um i think having an option to play like a display that like shows you um as in just kind actual, of a, like two a, campaigns, sort of Dawn of the Dukes campaigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can... You can like like yeah. release date sure, sure. <laughs> could be good too. I guess <laughs> it could remaster a few of them so that because that is a way in which you can, again, without all the cutscenes and the 3D kind of animations and stuff, that's a way that you can develop an interest in the storyline. So maybe if you have this kind of battle, yeah, in your example, battle for Britain, where you've got, you know, you do a few with the Scots, then it hops over and you do a few with the English, and then you get, you basically build exactly. into a final battle, and it's like, right, who grabbed you the most? Choose your side. You're going to go for a battle royale in this massive thing, I, and you get I to love conquer that, the island, but... you know? that's That would be quite cool. <laughs> um, I don't, like, I love that, but, like, even more simply, right, I, I think with those campaigns, you could either, even interlock them. Mm. like you could have the missions by historical date um because then you're jumping okay now you're playing you're playing both sides right and mm -hmm. i think i think that'd be really cool just just ordering the missions right not doing too too much like my, my expectation for this is not like some crazy thing but ordering the missions in a way where you go okay this ha this this battle happens now right and if you have multiple um campaign missions that have the same battle well they can just have them all kind of layered so i think yeah i think a time time related organization would be really really cool to see and i think it would entice me to go back to some of those older yeah. campaigns especially if they were um, if they were the, kind of standalone they could do it as almost a, a menu reorganization it wouldn't take much and maybe you could have one or two that's my whole point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you mm -hmm. could have a couple that might be a little bit more designed for that crossing over um but yeah, it's a very interesting concept, and especially for history heads like yourself, and yeah, me as well. I'd I'd be in for that. Um, I think that could be a really good idea. Yeah, and like my, my point is like it's not a crazy change; it's just yeah. a menu, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like that's all I'm really asking for, like a, a separate menu that's like um, I don't know, historical timeline or, or something like that, and it's it's just all the campaigns in their historical order of, of when they happen. I think that would be. A cool way to get people to play back. The the only other AOE two campaigns that I'm very interested in because I believe the For Forgotten Empires ones, right, were the ones that were never released with the actual game. Like these are the, uh, Who would these were the ones that ha kind of happened, kind like kind of like mod campaign. Well, I don't know if mod, but just like, uh, homemade campaigns that they later on added into DE, right? Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, they might have added it to HD. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on that, but that would be really cool to add 
to maybe play through those because they're like custom campaigns. So I'd be curious to see what kind of choices they make. Um, because Forgotten Empires kind of got like, if if I'm not mistaken, am I am I okay? I don't want to. What's it called? I don't want to uh, run in front of the uh, the crowd here, as the expression goes. I don't know if that's the expression. Uh, hmm. um, was that so? Were they released at about the same sort of time as the Bulgarians and the Slavs and people like that came into our lives? Was that about the sort of time of Forgotten Empires? This was a bit of a black hole in my AOE history. I only really dived back in at. Uh, I was just trying to 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 remember. Um, so they were an independent game developer. Uh, oh, right. And okay, the team came together as a group of fans making their own free unofficial expansion, and that unofficial expansion is what got thrown into um, thrown into the uh, into D- definitive edition for sure, and maybe in HD. I think in HD they added actually. So twenty thirteen. I think it officially added. Um, but yeah, there there's essentially a whole bunch of fans that were developers that made uh that made expansions. So those were I'd be interested in playing through to see to see their takes on campaigns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh so but but once again it's like I'd need it organized <laughs> uh um in a way that that I would I could know that. No, no, regardless, historical timeline would be really cool. Um and I think I'm good for that. All right, we're going to move on a little bit. Not not quite fully yet. Okay, I'm going to stay in campaigns just a little bit more. I, I know we're going to look at AOE 4 in a second, but I want to stay in campaign just for a second more. I also want to say I am, I did that that want of like RTS storytelling and stuff. I have now been playing a lot of AOE 3 Definitive Edition wow. campaigns. Controversial. Um, How's that been going? Controversial. Um, okay, here's what I'll say. AOE 3 has... Um, has uh what's it called it's a historical fiction right so they're they're taking like people but they're like they're using like myths and like stuff from that time and there's like the circle which is like you know your 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 stereotypical you know hidden agenda group that controls everything from the background right um and so they're like fighting over um this this like lake this like well the first thing there's like a lake where they had like water that apparently if you drank the water you'd be immortal right that's kind of like the stuff that's happening but the one thing that aoe 3 does very well is storytelling because all they do is is they have cutscenes and they have and they have like zoom in sometimes so they'll just like zoom in the two characters talking to each other um and that's like a separate scene before you actually go into the mission it's it's so big right and i think aoe 2 can't do this at this point for obvious reasons right it's like mm-hmm. Why are we going to program backwards into AOE two, this kind of like cutscene type thing? But I think in AOE three, that's 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 one of its biggest strengths for storytelling. So I'll say that um, is that they have cutscenes, they have they have something that's more more akin to StarCraft uh, two uh, yeah. campaigns. Does that does that so, kind of narrative so, that that sort of mythology aspect to it? Uh, does that sort of bubble over into the way the game plays? Is there like magic and things like that, or is it just the I guess the the reasons for the game, you know, there's sort of irrational things about but, holy water and things like that. Does it- it's 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 more well. Okay, I haven't seen any any actual uh, you know immortal people yet, um, yeah. but I think I think they're pl- playing very loose with some of the affiliations between different uh, people, right? <laughs> right okay, uh, and and like what they would have said or how that interaction happened. I think they're playing really loose with that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good. I think you just have to take it as historical fiction. 
um it's still in the time period it's still uh you know the the regional groups uh the civilizations um you know the weapons all that stuff is accurate it's it's more the the story itself they want to just tell a story right that's fine um, yeah so so i i kind of i kind of respect it actually yeah um but you just have to go in knowing that right mm-hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> uh my last thing on aoe 3 what it does significantly better than aoe 2 ready for the controversy i'm ready embraced is naval battles they look so much Hmm? I can. What were you gonna say? No, no, no. I'm, I'm ready. I'm braced. I've got my hands on the table, ready to receive the the crushing news that you're leaving AOE two forever. But, um... <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I'm currently playing a lot of AOE three campaigns, but I was to say the naval battles are great. Uh, I think the ships they move pretty wonky sometimes, but they just look so much nicer. I can see um, that, that's and they they area. turn like you have to have like a yeah. turn raises to have your cans. Oh, that's good. That's that makes it's so Pirates like of the, the Caribbean like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah i uh yeah, um, just things like but uh, yeah my point is it's yeah. so pirates of the caribbean so i feel like pirates of the caribbean yeah, yeah okay well that's cool that's it's a very like rich rich world isn't it and i guess the <laughs> the extra years and technology that these guys have had over aoe2 which obviously we we have to touch back on is is a lot older um i'm imagining sort of big billowing sails and kind of luscious beaches and emerald waters and you know it's really really nice looking i can see oh yeah it looks very pretty well rendered smoke <laughs> off cannons all that kind of thing yeah no that's good i, I think aoe2 <laughs> yeah. is okay on water uh, a bit flat so no i'd be i'd be keen for that yeah. <laughs> yeah we're talking we're talking about the water that's the important part yeah. Eh? yeah um so okay let's let's now jump into i guess the the main course for today which is the aoe4 um civilizations now the cool thing is okay so, so here, here's some plus and negative okay the bad thing is if someone's played the beta maybe they know a lot more about the civs than we do um and they'll probably make fun of us and our speculation however because we have not played the the, the beta, um, we can speculate all we want. <laughs> we don't have yeah, to worry I'm about. Happy you said like, that. If I had played the beta, yeah. I wouldn't be able to really talk about the civs, right? In case that was a great, great of, little uh, piece of video stuff, right? Yeah. But it's like I I. <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, sorry. Like it's a it's a great like, little caveat. I'm glad well, you said anyway. it just because we we would otherwise be very exposed. I could actually do with you following me around in my day to day life just. Uh, caveating things like that so i I wasn't gonna i didn't think of anything like that i would have just walked (laughs) straight into the trap but uh glad you did yeah we we are only going off of what we've seen on their official website the little the little uh welcoming and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about these two sieves so this has been out i think for a month now actually i think they've been out for a little bit um but let's get into it um so i'm gonna read it quickly um, so I'm also going to link the the Russ, the Russians, right? Which oh, kind of ties in with our Lithuanians campaign um, mm-hmm. and the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, so Russ, so in AOE4, Russ are highly skilled hunters, adept in the wild, supported by their battle-ready cavalry. The Russ grow more powerful as they expand uh, to new frontiers throughout the ages. In Age of Empires 4, the Russ civilization tells the story of a fledgling empire caught between powerful opponents over the years 882 to 1552 of the common era hardened by devastating invasions political instability and bitter winters the rust were built for survival 
masters of hunting trade and wooden construction they would rebuild the realm as their leaders fought to birth a new empire under moscow so that's kind of little intro um so let, let me just i guess look at some of the key features here uh so it seems like it'll be very focused kind of hunting that'll be kind of one of the big things um and uh they get gold from the hunting cabin. Interesting. So it's like like they're hunting, but they're using that to like sell fur and stuff, which I, I think is actually quite an interesting take. Yeah, on, on I hunting. quite like this this line that they seem to be going down. The, for instance, you know the the, the fall work from the the poles in AOE two seem to be yeah. they seem to be experimenting around a few eco ideas and sort of buffing and building on on some of your your you know very basic eco buildings, which you know are a little bit flat they're all part of a normal build order you get what you're given but I, I don't mind that as a line line of thinking i think some of the ideas seem a little bit scattergun but i'm sure you're, you're going to go through them and we can touch on them one by one yeah uh, i mean well uh i think um they have a bounty system so uh with bounty system players earn gold when killing any animal on the map so okay so that's that's actually interesting so they won't have to like harvest the animal if they just because i mean that's one thing about aoe2 hunting (laughs) it's the biggest problem is you have to like herd the animals towards your mill right yeah um so i think this is kind of a way to get around it where it's like no if you go hunting you immediately get the gold which is interesting that you're getting it for for gold's sake um the russes powerful early game defense capabilities make them a, a commendable foe in the early ages they have strong palisades in place of early access walls access to knights starting age 2 and wooden fortresses improved outposts with unique technologies their unique influence provides them with more wood uh when lumber camps are built near wooden fortresses so they have they, they have i think uh, i guess yeah oh uh, because they're kind of based in that like you know we are we are a smaller kingdom fighting off bigger kingdoms they have like advantages when it comes to using wood or building gaining wood cutting down trees it seems like that's kind of the focus i think this seems very intriguing but i I do say that with a frown kind of i'm intrigued slash confused because for instance this um the fortress i mean it's a nice idea if if the idea is that it's a fairly defensive sieve uh and the fortress turns out i mean this is more about sort of competitive play i guess and through the eyes of AOE2, um, and we don't really know how it plays yet, but it just seems that a an, a conventional outpost is something that you'd use for map control and sort of sort of pseudo-positively, you'd use it going forward a little bit, um, just to, to sort of locate a um, an outpost near a wood, your own wood line. Uh, I guess it works, but it, it just seems to be slightly out of step with the conventional function of it, in my eyes. Um and similarly, if the if the the kind of Gaia mechanic that we have at the moment, so you can clearly see there's like four deer together, and you are only ever going to get four deer's worth. So it just seems a bit of an odd thing to stick a mill down next to a load of trees, maybe because there's a few deer there, which are going to run out quite quickly. Maybe if the Gaia <laughs> dynamic like worked, whereby yeah, you will just get the odd deer strolling out of the woods every now and again. I quite like that. That that happened on uh, the settlers, so you can have sort of a semi-sustainable kind of hunting economy. And I think that could be quite a nice touch. Um, but then, yeah, if you're going to have to go and stick a mill right next to a wood line, only to go and build loads of farms next to it within three minutes, then it just seems the the, the gains you'd get from, from having all the trees around it, you'd lose from not being able to fit lots of um, farms around it. So again, that's to be played out in the wash, really, just to see how that works. But um, 
for sure for sure yeah. yes speculation is what we do best here yeah. I, i'm i'm very curious what like beta beta players are just like laughing at us for for some of the things yeah. we say but that's okay welcome to uh, we're here we're down. here for yeah for those who didn't make it in uh okay uh i'm gonna go quickly over the units that they've shown warrior monk is a military-minded support unit that improves combat capabilities of nearby units after attacks so the warrior monk kind of like attacks if it hits something then it'll help out uh, nearby units improves combat capability so i think that's interesting right it's not necessarily just straight healer it's oh no the the units around get a buff um they can pick up relics convert enemy units and capture sacred sites so it's it's a little bit di- different from your typical kind of uh uh priest healer in or mm. uh in aoe2 i'm gonna let me let me go over the three and then uh then maybe you can talk about the one that you find the the most uh intriguing to you yeah horse archer uh we know what a horse archers are uh uh <laughs> and then there's the strelsey especially as a high damage light gunpowder infantry unit with a stronger rate of fire when stationary that's pretty cool so if you, if you stop it it can it can shoot a little faster they employ a huge axe that is put down against melee attackers okay beyond i don't know i think i think it's cool that they add like little kind of like okay if you're stationary you do more damage mm, yeah but you can do less damage and move i like stuff like that but beyond that i think the design of this unit is really cool with the axe and and just their hats uh it's awesome i love I, I love the design of this unit actually i like i like the design of the warrior muck as well do you have anything to add to these yeah i'm units? just gonna go and fish out a picture of of them um but yeah, I I like the idea. The war monk uh, intrigued me. Uh, I had to sort of double take a bit because I, I initially the warrior monk. Sorry, I initially thought that it it had attack of its own, which I thought again that'd be quite interesting to see how the game mechanics yeah, no, play it does. out, like it does. whether you can convert so a unit it, or attack a unit. But I think it reading into it a bit more, it does actually attack. Okay, it, it has to yeah, attack okay. because that's, well, the, that's um, I mean, unless, so I thought that that would be interesting to see how the the mechanics played out. Unless the person who made the website is, is off on this one, which is always possible. Um, but no, it, yeah, it seems I, like you might it, have... It I mean, I imagine military the converting units. might be like on a cooldown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Yeah. Say that again. Uh, but then I, I kind of thought, well, is it that it just... Uh, is it just okay, maybe we can uh, the, get into war, a little the, bit... The soldiers Um, might have a lag issue my friend i don't, I don't really know yeah i think but, we do uh, i think we're back I think yeah we're you back. go okay yeah. um we're gonna talk a little bit now about the ages uh that they've given us for the the russ um so the russ have hunting cabin right away and approved versions of mills like generate gold based on the based on the nearby number of trees so if you just have to put it near trees you get gold that's that's an interesting little take uh, and mills can produce scouts. I think this is intriguing. It, it kind of—I feel like they're trying to make it that like less buildings, <laughs> hmm. like multi-purpose building. Yeah. Well, kind of what it feels like here. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I kind of—I think it's a bit. I mean, I sort of outlined my thoughts on it a minute ago, and it's a bit of a slight head scratcher. But I do like it. And the—if you think about what a, a scout traditionally is, it's not overtly a military unit. I can—I'm happy with the idea of some sort of pseudo-medieval guy strutting around on a horse in in quite like a, a rural rural type you know i could see how that could be part of a small village style economy um that's just kind of what they do i'm wondering if a lot of these measures are for aesthetic purposes um you know really driving a russian player to build it in a certain way where you've got these kind of lush forested areas these groves that they kind of hang around in almost a bit you know robin hood style 
Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. And I think that's what they're going for. I think you, I think you're onto something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's they're all all the if we yeah. zoom back out at the actual game, there are so many individualities for each of these sieves. Um, I hope you've still got that common playability. I hope they match up with each other. We've touched on these things before. They need to have that genuine balance and the, the the more individual you make the sieves the harder that is but i i could i could definitely picture uh once all the tactics are fleshed out having uh, a russ sieve that um you know you've got quite a, a beautiful looking base where it's, it's very kind of woodland focused but again i think the guy dynamics quite important because if they don't do anything there if you're still just going to have like you know six deer and that's your lot then i i think some of the, bon- the bonuses and benefits do fall a bit flat Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, for sure, for yeah. sure. H two, H two. So it's interesting. It, it kind of feels like there's landmarks as you age up. There's a landmark that the Russ player gets. Uh, in H two, the landmark is the Golden Gate, um, and it's kind of a trade building. Uh, so it's probably similar to your regular, or, or more similar. Uh, oh, actually, it says that there's a favorable rate compared to your regular trade market. So it's mm. a slightly better trade market. So there you go. That's that's their kind of landmark H two building. Yeah. So that's that exists already, really. Not much. It's, to it's that. a bit of a Saracen style <laughs> market benefit, isn't it? That's kind of get on it, kind of upgrade. You know, you can maybe level up quickly if you if you're not paying any any sort of taxes on on uh, on market abuse. For sure, for sure. Um, age three, the Russ's capability, they get the warrior monks essentially, uh, or no, sorry, they're increased. So these are these are landmark buildings. So these are like, I, I kind of like this. It's kind of like a. It feels like the landmarks are kind of like mini wonders but you'll actually build them <laughs> yeah um and and uh so this one helps your warrior monks get stronger so i imagine you can get warrior monks earlier but this building will help out uh with that um it acts as a monastery um uh, but it so it seems like with with the rust there's like these buildings that are like the better version of your standard building but i think they also have the standard building just, they just have this one better version of it that they'll include i guess in the, mm. in the mix yeah I, I quite like that um the buildings in in aoe2 are quite ubiquitous they're all the same really so i do like the idea of, of having quite a special feeling sort of center uh of your empire um and that's it's a nice touch and they look pretty good as well they, these kind of this special monastery that this abbey sorry it does look really nice sort of bronze roof i i i think it's also like a it kind of feels like a, a uh, I don't know, not necessarily comeback mechanic, but if you're if you did fall behind, right, and you can only have like you don't have enough to have like multiple, you can't support multiple buildings. Have having these buildings that like give you a little bit of an edge can kind of like, I feel like it's meant to either if you're falling behind a little bit to kind of stabilize you a li- the, to, to get back into things because you you can only have one of these, but it does help out. Um, and the the second part, well, actually, actually, I don't know if you can only have one of these. Um, you should only have one of these. That's my assumption. I'm going to assume you can it only feels have one that of way. these. Yeah. But regardless, it's nice to have a, a sort of a, a bonus from just ha- leveling up alone. You get a few of those in AOE too. It, mm-hmm. it does feel nice to just by benefit of being in the next stage, instead of it just being a total waste of all your resources. If you can't then go and militarize it. Uh, it's nice to have a few built-in perks. So yeah, that's good. Good that they improve with with age. And then the Russ's final uh, landmark is uh, the high armory, and the high armory um, 
sorry, I'm just I'm looking at American spelling and it's just bugging me. Um, so high <laughs> memory, um, uh, is essentially I guess I guess it's when you get to that last stage and you're at the point where you're destroying buildings and you want to destroy them quickly. This is this is kind of that that, that extra umph that that late game helper to to make sure your siege weapons are nice and strong yeah and just seeing there as well the siege crew training at high armory allows instant setup and tear down of trebs and mangonels that sounds Ooh. pretty naughty i think you could really get some strategies around that <laughs> flying around the map well I, I damage you know what it is though mm. it, it, it feels with these things that they're like one of the things with aoe2 is that you kind of have to be very it's like tedious sometimes to move around yeah. your uh your trebuchets so this is one of those like oh no at this point like battle is happening okay you're not taking 10 minutes to move your trebuchets yeah it's a funny one i think if the whole treb process looked a bit prettier uh i wouldn't mind it so much it is frustrating and it feels like a real thorn in your side when you're trying to attack but i think the mechanic of having a bit of difficulty of having to have soldiers around it and guarding it and I think it lends itself towards better competitive play. The fact that they're quite clunky to to handle and they're useless if there's anything nearby them. But yeah, I think um, yeah that it does feel a bit um, frustrating at times. So yeah, interesting to see the new take on 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 siege moving that around. Yeah, no, for sure, and we'll see how that plays out. I think what we'll do here is we'll actually. Um close up the show here chris yes, uh, we, we we didn't get to the the holy roman empire we will get to it in, in a future show there's plenty of time before the game is released so so i'm sure we will um yeah i'm just yeah. i'm just a little little tight on time here uh but um I, yeah i think i think it's a solid show we, we went over those campaigns we went over the ruse so the next uh next show that we do um whether it's you know whoever whoever my guest of the day is which which kind of is a is a theme uh, a little bit here um we'll we'll go over that holy roman empire but chris i'd like to thank you for being on uh, no all good it's been always good, appreciated good to be back and uh yeah apologies for my uh, i'm gonna have to go away and do my homework this time and uh, actually get stuck into those lithuanian campaigns and uh join square the circle with with what i've done with judd winger so far <laughs> but, uh, yeah no nah, it's kind of good though it's, it's kind of good though i i, I think the Yadviga campaign um it is definitely one of the most creative ones. So, so uh, I, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, from our listeners, uh, yeah, you can you can catch you can catch. Well, hopefully, probably either today or tomorrow, <laughs> one p.m. Saturday, uh, September the fourth, one p.m. Eastern time. Um, we'll be doing we'll be doing that feudal lord um, match, the the tournament match. Um, yeah. Except for that, we'll see you in two weeks on our usual schedule. Uh, for myself and Chris, I hope all of you have a great one. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.